I'm Julianne DeLynn Hatton, and you're listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. This series will discuss the Prophet Joseph Smith and the authenticity of the gospel he restored. I'll be speaking with Michael R. Ash, author of the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Welcome, Michael Ash. Hi, Julianne. We're discussing Christopher Columbus today. Yes. Yes, an interesting topic. What part overall does Columbus play in the establishment that eventually ended up being the Mormon Church in the United States? Well, he was instrumental, as we know, in opening the the kind of the gateway for other uh, populations outside of the uh, native populations to come to the United States to, you know, uh, establish um, colonies and, and, and cities and expand and so forth, which led eventually to uh, Joseph Smith coming to Palmyra and, and receiving his visions and the golden plates translating the Book of Mormon and establishing a church. So Columbus is instrumental in kind of the, I guess, the headwaters of the movement that brought the people to the point where Joseph Smith could eventually uh, be part of this restoration process. The climate of religion at the time that Joseph Smith started the church was also perfect for the establishment of the Mormon faith. Yeah, exactly, in a number of ways. Uh, It was rich in people seeking for answers. It it was rich in uh, people actually having even visions and stuff. I don't talk about this much in in my book, but uh, um, Richard Bushman mentions it in some of his works, that there were other people that were having visions at this time, and and so the the time was ripe. And even just in the ways that uh, people understood communication with God, um, at least among kind of more the, I guess, farm folk of Joseph Smith's uh, vicinity. And so he was open to being able to translate the Book of Mormon, receive revelation. You know, He wasn't of kind of an elitist category to look down on things like, like revelation. So Christopher Columbus is important from that aspect. In hindsight, we can look back and and debate some of the things about Christopher Columbus, you know, the good things that he did and the bad things he did. And there's no doubt that there, you know, there was a lot of uh, things that came out of this process that were negative and, and harmful to the uh, uh, Native American people that lived here. Um, you know, of course, that's uh, uh, in a sense a presentism uh, process on our part. We look back and it's easier to judge in hindsight. But uh, there was some good things that came about it as well, and of course, uh, related to the restored gospel, it's what set the ball rolling, as it were. Now, the Book of Mormon does not mention Columbus by name, am I correct? That's correct. We have to infer that from the scriptures, and it's possible that there's more than one way to interpret First Nephites in chapter 13, especially in verse 12, but it's a logical inference from what's being talked about here, because it's talking about um, kind of the the future of the Lamanites and, and where the direction of uh, the people that were living here would go. And uh, the Book of Mormon says that there was a man among the Gentiles who left his people and crossed many waters. And, and so, um, like I said, it makes sense uh, from the history that we do know about Columbus that this was referring to him. What was the zeitgeist in Joseph Smith's time about Columbus? Well, I think the general feeling, uh, even up until my youth, uh, is that he was driven, you know, kind of a... Uh, 
as a discoverer, but more maybe self-motivated as materialistic, you know, looking to conquer new lands and to, you know, get riches and, and fame and glory and all those types of things. So there's probably, you know, some of that truth to the element, but that doesn't paint a full picture of what we now know about Columbus. And what's interesting about this in the Book of Mormon is that in the Book of Mormon, when it talks about this man who we assume was Columbus, it says that he came that he was driven by the spirit of, of, of God, basically, that there was a, a spiritual element to his coming to the Americas that on his voyage. And that wasn't something that was really uh, known about, as far as I know. It definitely wasn't aware uh, to anybody in Joseph Smith's time, or like I said, even up until my youth. Uh, I, I never heard stories about that earlier on. It was always just, you know, kind of that fame and glory type uh, pursuit. Um, and, and now we know differently. And, and it's thanks to uh, some of his thoughts, uh, journals, some of the things that he had talked about that were published. And, and just in the 20, uh, 20th century, some of these things came forward. And, and actually, about 1991, there's a translation of uh, Columbus's uh, um, writings about this, and it reveals that he was a very spiritual man, and that a big part of his quest was to spread Christianity, and, and that he felt that the Holy Ghost actually was directing him in his pursuit. And in fact, he, and this is what's really kind of interesting, he, one of his favorite scriptural passages was John ten sixteen, where he quotes Christ as saying that uh, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. And of course, that's exactly how we interpret Christ's words as well, is that he's referring to the sheep in the new world. And Columbus felt driven by that verse as well, that he was looking for other sheep of, of Christ's fold to bring them into Christianity and felt that the Holy Spirit was guiding him. But that wasn't known in Joseph Smith's day. And you've got this carefully footnoted in your book. So, of course, there's some more details that we're skipping over, but it paints a picture that I don't know Joseph Smith would have been able to come up with on his own. I can't say that there wasn't anybody in the world that didn't know about this, but it wasn't common knowledge. It certainly wasn't common knowledge in Joseph Smith's day, and it wasn't common knowledge to most Americans and school teachers and college professors even that were talking about Christopher Columbus for, for hundreds of years uh, until you know almost the year 2000 before some of these translations came forward and revealed a different side of Christopher Columbus than what most people had um, known about him, and, and it's a side that meshes very well with what we read in the Book of Mormon. Thank you, Michael Ash. Thank you, Julianne. Thanks for listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. I'm your host, Julianne DeLynn Hatton, inviting you to keep the faith. Michael R. Ash is the author of the book, Shaking Faith Syndrome, Strengthening One's Testimony in the Face of Criticism and Doubt, as well as the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Faith and Reason is produced by Tom Hatton with music courtesy of Arthur Hatton. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can support this podcast by subscribing to it in iTunes and by rating it and writing a review. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org or you may join the conversation at fairblog.org.